0: Uh, before I uh, get into the word, I felt like the Lord um, bringing this morning, there's another word I felt like I had as I drove into this place. And uh, as I was driving in this morning and, and just saw the cross out the front, I uh, just felt the Lord impress upon me that there's a pioneering spirit over at your church. Um, as uh, I, 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 I believe and I've already heard, uh, I was just talking to someone before the service that that cross has drawn people here as they've just seen it. Um, but I want to remind you of the years that went before it of, um, of, of in and out of halls. And I just want to encourage you that whilst you're here and that beautiful cross stands there and is like a beacon to this community, um, that don't forget that pioneering spirit. That pioneering spirit that just seems so obvious over you means that you haven't arrived just because you have this beautiful facility. That there is work to be done in this community of pioneering the work of the kingdom here and around. I just want to encourage you uh, that 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 God has that over your church. I just see it so clearly that pioneering spirit. Don't let go of it. It's what's forged this place. But it's it's not something that disappears and goes away. It's something you should continue to lean into as you grow and as you fill this place. So. Uh, Take that uh, or leave it um, and be encouraged, I hope. Uh, It's so good to be with you. I've felt at home all weekend as I've spent time with the Baptist family up here. Uh, But I have a confession to make. Uh, I know it's a little awkward um, to have a senior pastor come from another church and just air his dirty laundry here. But uh, it's nothing too bad, but it is is a weakness of mine. when Pastor Neil invited me here, um, I, I, I said yes to both the conference as well as to come and speak here, because on a previous trip to Darwin, I fell in love. I fell in love with the food scene at Darwin. I, I just, you know, I, I, I love food, right? I love food. Uh, some, some people call this a dad bod, I call it a father figure, but... Uh, but I, you know the multicultural food scene of Darwin is fantastic. I've enjoyed exploring it in the little bit of time I've had here and there to be able to go and do that. Um, I can eat like nobody else. I love it. But I, I, I like good food. I can pass on the I can pass on you know um, the dirty bird KFC or something like that. You know I, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in McDonald's. I I, I know it's convenient. I know it's Somewhat fast, depending on the staff. But uh, you know, I, I'm not actually that interested in going to those sorts of food joints. I like to eat. I like to eat well. Uh, convenience is maybe the point when you're a kid to take them to those sort of places. But but uh, it's not going to be the most delicious. It's not going to be the most healthy meal that you can find. It's just it's just not. Sorry, if you if if you are a, a fan. Um, Try to burst your bubble. It really just isn't going to be that great. You'll notice that at those type of stores, they, they don't give you a sample to try to get you in to eat. They're, they're more about advertising like a toy that your kid's going to receive than sampling here, try this fry, it's going to be the most delicious fry you've ever, ever eaten. That's just not true because you know it's not true. I was in Italy uh, 10 years ago, my wife and I are coming up to 30 years married. Uh, 20, uh, uh, 20 year anniversary when we went to Italy, left the kids at home. And uh, yeah, three weeks in Italy. I was in this little Umbrian town, countryside uh, of a place called Norcia, And as you walked in, it's a walled city and you kind of come in. It's ancient and it's beautiful. And there's just those, if you've ever been to a place like that, there's, you know, a a cheese place followed by, you know, a bakery followed by a, a delicatessen full of meats. Anyway, outside of one of these beautiful delis full of just salamis like galore, Uh, this guy is out the front beckoning me to come in and sample some of his food. And I'm like, well, actually, he started to dance with me first. Um, my wife was, he's Italian, you know. My wife was like, what the heck is going on here? We waltzed in, literally, into his store, and, and I tied about 16 varieties of salami before I settled on a truffle salami for lunch. And we grabbed that, we grabbed some of our, our bread, we grabbed some cheese from the next one, and we just sat in the town square and we ate. He knew that he could get me to taste his product If he knew I could just taste it, I'd buy some. He was confident of how delicious his homemade produce was. There's this wonderful passage in the Psalms where David said to his readers, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Try him out, David says. He's absolutely delicious. God is delicious. Now that may seem just a little bit too transactional, if you like, uh, for our spiritual sensibilities. But nonetheless, it's biblical. It's right there, okay? Taste and see that the Lord is good. He wants his presence to be tasted. He wants to be sampled because he knows that he is the best thing around. He knows he's the best thing around. Why is it then that we are so happy to fill up on spiritual junk food than eat from the best? Why is it that we taste from what the the world has to offer in the hope that it's going to be somehow nutritious to us? It's going to fill us up. It's going to make us feel bad. It's going to be this very thing that we know there's nothing like God, there's nothing like his presence. The problem is, that sort of stuff just never fills our deepest hunger. You can eat it and you, you know, you're hungry again a little bit later and you'll keep going back for more. It certainly spoils our appetite for what really sustains us, for what really enables us to live for Him. And this is what we're called to do. We're actually called to live for Him. That's, that's our job. That's when we come and we sign up to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of his, to follow after him. The Bible says that we are called as ambassadors for Christ and ministers of reconciliation to share the gospel with lost people so they can have an opportunity to also come and be saved. And what is required for that is God's anointing. God wants to anoint us, to empower us, if you want to use different words, to carry out his great commission, to go and go to the ends of the earth, telling everybody just how delicious he is, how good he really, really is. He's also asked us to carry out the great commandment that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and to love one another in the same kind of way. Love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And these things that he calls us to, that he asks us to go and be a part of, require God's anointing. They require his presence. And God uses anointed people in order to demonstrate his love. Early in his public ministry out of Luke chapter 4 regarding his mission, Jesus' mission from the Father. He says this, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. See, as believers, as disciples, as followers of Jesus, we have His Spirit indwelling within us. You know that, right? That's Christianity 101. When you come to Jesus, He says, I'll not leave you alone. I'm going to put my Spirit within you. That's where we receive the anointing. We receive His presence, His Spirit dwelling within us. And because this was His mission, He now passes this same mission to each of us but we can't possibly hope to do it in and of our own strength. We just won't be leading people to be reconciled to Jesus unless we come filled and overflowing with His Spirit. You see, the Lord never requires anything of us that He's not going to equip us to be able to do. And to fulfill our mission, to fulfill the commission as believers, we need his anointing. Why? Because we can do nothing without it. Actually, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. John chapter 15. You can do nothing. Do you know what the Greek word means there? Nothing? Yeah, nothing. Great. Scholars. You're all scholars. Well done. Zilch. Nada, nil, nothing, that's it. Like it's, you can do nothing of eternal value, you can do nothing of kingdom value without his anointing, without his presence, without his empowering. The anointing represents the indwelling presence of Jesus. Without it, we can do truly nothing that is of lasting kingdom value. You see, the thing we miss when we don't come to, be, uh, to, to, have our, to fill our hunger in him, when we don't receive the invitation to come and taste how good, how delicious he really is, when we don't come with that, we, we miss his anointing. We miss His enabling. We lack that which enables us to powerfully be used. It's like having the best of all of it and just kind of stocking it away. It'd be like me going into that, that the Italian's, you know, delicatessen and and sampling and then taking some and buying it and just putting it in the cupboard. What's the point? The, The point... The point is, is I, I want to consume it. So here's the million-dollar question. Speaking of offering, yeah. <laughs> Amen. Said so Pastor Neil. How 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 do we be full and yet remain hungry? How do we be full and yet remain hungry? How do we live in a place of abundance and yet continually realize our need? See, one of the greatest paradoxes of the Christian life is how how to be full and yet still remain hungry. When you live in a place of blessing, (laughs) one of the things that's required is to maintain a hunger. And hunger requires a few different things. Hunger requires humility. It requires admitting that we're actually in need. People will do all sorts of things when they're hungry. People will do all sorts of things. My wife and I were living in uh, India. We are living in Chennai. Uh, our house was right on the coast, uh, like we could see the beach from our apartment area, uh, right on the coast down in Tamil Nadu, down in southern India. And we were there in the 2004 tsunami. And we, we felt our building shake, we felt the, the, the windows and the rattle and the doors bang open and we ran out early in the morning out into the, the street with everybody else in the street wondering what was going on, only to find out, of course, of the devastation. The devastation really to people wasn't to people like us, our building was fine and many buildings like that were. The, those who were most devastated were the poor, <laughs> The poor live in not much more than shacks, really, with their foundations, if they have any, built into the sand, right on the beach, because many of the poor are fishing communities that are right there, and it was devastating to see, and, and in the weeks that followed that devastation, uh, we were working already with um, people in those poor areas, and and. And going into those communities, trying to provide assistance, I'll never forget about three days after the tsunami had hit, we had got together with a whole bunch of other community organizations and churches and we'd uh, just put together these food packages. And I can remember taking our car down into one of the communities that we'd already uh, were known to us and uh, driving into that place. I've never met more desperate people in my life. When they saw us coming, they just ran to the car. They broke my wing mirrors off. I didn't use them in India anyway, like, you know, but they smacked the wing mirrors off. They they literally started to move the car. People were fighting and snatching to be able to receive food because they'd been three days without food. Food and water. The desperation that was in them to satisfy their hunger was like nothing I'd ever seen before. You see, hunger is a place of humility that keeps us in a place of dependency. Maturity in the kingdom, growth in our spiritual lives is maintained or sustained when we are in a posture of humility where we know we are hungry. But it also gives motivation. Hunger motivates us, just like those people. Proverbs 6 verse 30 says, an interesting and strange verse says, people do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger when he's starving. Why? Because there was kind of like this unwritten rule. They still had to pay seven times back by the Levitical law because they were doing the wrong thing in stealing. But there was this understanding that if they're actually starving, then taking something in order to be able to satisfy that hunger is kind of okay. It's not really okay, but it's kind of okay. There was this understanding because hunger becomes a huge motivator. There's an understanding that God created us in such a way that that we'll be fully motivated by hunger to pursue something that we normally wouldn't. To take what's not ours in order to satisfy the hunger. Hunger has that motivating factor that drives us out of where we are to a place that is greater. The richness of God made you to to be it's found in passion it's found in hunger and some people have never experienced a hunger for anything in their lives and speaking spiritually they don't rise to become the people that god sees them already as they're just not hungry enough it doesn't motivate them enough but we do to understand that our hunger is a daily dependence and this is the paradox around remaining hungry even when you're satisfied See, we are filled with what God is doing and saying, and there is a level of being full and yet not satisfied. Has anyone ever felt that? Not in the the physical, because in the physical, that's totally different. But there's a strange requirement for us in the kingdom to maintain our hunger after God, to pursue after God that keeps us alive and active in our faith. Hunger becomes a gift that God gives us. It's an expression of what the Bible says when it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Most poor people are hungry. Most poor people are hungry. How much is too much? Too much is too much when it puts us into a place where we no longer need to trust him. See, trust and faith, that's the currency of heaven. We need to remain in a place with the Lord of dependency, even though we may have an abundance. If we don't maintain hunger, we will live off the interest of yesterday's investment. Let me say that again. If we don't maintain a hunger, we will live off the interest of yesterday's investment. When the Israelites were going throughout the desert, The manna never lasted more than to be picked up in the morning. The sufficiency was for a daily feed. Only. Keep it after that, it'll go moldy. There's only one day the Lord allowed it to not do that, and that was the Sabbath. Take enough and see you through. Jesus was talking and saying that, asking us to pray in such a way that we would ask God for our daily bread. See, the Israelites, they learned to stay in a place of dependency on God for him to meet their hunger. And in the same way, Holy Spirit renews our hunger on a daily basis if we let him. Just as we should not expect or desire to live on yesterday's stale or mouldy bread, neither should we expect or desire to function today under yesterday's anointing. Don't rely on the experience you've had of God's presence sometime in the past. Maybe it was at that moment of salvation when you cried out to God that you needed a Saviour and you found Him in Jesus or maybe a uh, post-experience of God's blessing through presence, through a powerful move of the Holy Spirit in your life. If it was yesterday, praise God and thank Him for it, but look for what He wants to do this day, each day. See, if you want to receive the empowering presence of God fresh every day, to live with an anointing, you have to be hungry for it. You have to have a real deep yearning desire, a thirst for him, a hunger for his anointing or you'll never see it. Mild interest or lukewarm attitude simply won't do it. Why should God entrust his anointing, his power to people who are just a little blase about it? If you're stranded in the desert, the one thing on your mind is to find water to quench your thirst. Nothing else matters because your survival is at stake. I, earlier this year, I, I drove across the Simpson Desert and, um, and you know, the, the logistics about crossing over, well, it actually it was a lot easier than I thought, but <laughs> I took a lot of water. I took a lot of water. The truck was pretty heavy, you know, because you don't want to break down out there and, not have enough water to survive until someone comes along the same way and finds you. It's the same way with the anointing. If you reach the place where you are ready to do anything or to part with anything in order to get the anointing, that's when you're ready to receive it. God satisfies the hungry and thirsty. So we need to stay hungry by eating. Now, in the natural, we get hungry when we don't eat. In fact, if you don't eat a lot or at all and you're not hungry, they kind of take you to hospital for that. It might stick a tube in your arm and force feed you. Somebody would probably take you, make sure that you're going to be okay. But in the spiritual, in the kingdom of God, you get hungry by actually eating. It's kind of a flip side. It's that upside down kingdom value that we're so used to hearing and seeing about within the scriptures. You actually get more hungry when you come eating of God. It's when we're exposed to more of what God is doing that we become increasingly hungry for that to be evident in our own lives. See, every time you have a baptism service and you see people going through the waters of baptism, that should... That should charge your, your spiritual hunger and thirst. That people have prepared to declare their allegiance to Jesus by going through the waters of baptism. But that too can become blasé if we let it, instead of a hunger that should be fueling us for more of the presence of God. We've had 130 baptisms since Father's Day last year in our church. We had seven just last weekend. One of those was planned, six of them were spontaneous. We open the tank up and ask people a few questions, make sure they're ready to get baptized, and then we just let them get baptized. That fuels my hunger, right? There's certain things that I need to continually do and be in places where I see the Spirit of God powerfully at work because it's supposed to fuel my hunger. When I see God at work, when I hear the extraordinary testimony of what God is doing, I'm supposed to soak that up. I'm supposed to let it feed my soul and my spirit and remind me again of just how big God is, how powerful He is, just what He can do and ask for that transforming influence to come in me so that it might come out of me into the people around me some people have said to me why do you go to this healing meeting or why do you go to that conference or or why are you you're going after to see that speaker or whatever it might be because I will go anywhere where the Lord is doing something in order for him to touch me afresh so that I can bring it back to the people that I love and share it with them But if we never go, if we never exercise the hunger, we won't be filled. You get hungry by eating, and some of us have sat down at the Lord's table and chose to feed again on the wonderful, awe inspiring testimony of what God has done and wants to do again. And and watch what He wants to do then with that gift of hunger that He gives you. Here's some things you can do to just stay hungry cultivate an attitude of this humility that I'm not okay just as it is. Develop a secret prayer life with God that draws you into His holy place, that just allows you to be consumed privately with Him. Become grounded in His Word. Pay attention to the promptings of your heart and lean on those fast and pray. Fuel your hunger with the testimony of what you see God doing. Visit those people and places where in whom God is pouring His Spirit out in an unusual manner. Hunger releases a capacity to dream. It keeps us in a place of humility. It causes us to move outside of what seems safe and be motivated to go places we wouldn't normally go and do things we wouldn't normally do. That's that pioneering spirit. I believe God's preparing the church for a season of a mighty outpouring of His Spirit, a blessing for the kingdom's advancement here in your area. But if we're satisfied with how things are, are we really that hungry? I don't know you. That's not a condemnation. You might be really hungry. Honestly, I don't know you. But I know my church I know my own experience. I know what it's like. I've been pastoring for 28 years. I know what happens when we become complacent. When we lose our thirst and hunger for his anointing. If we become satisfied with how things are. Luke 1.53 says, He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. Empty. Is that God's distaste of prosperity and prosperity? No, I don't believe so. That's God's distaste for those who have become satisfied with what they have and not remained humble and remained hungry. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Are we hungry and desperate in our hearts that we're not going to go passive, that we're going to remain humble and hungry? And many of us are asked, what, to, uh, what do you want from the Lord or, 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 or where do you want to see breakthrough? And sometimes I just hear people say things like, well, I don't know, whatever God wants to do. That's not a statement of hunger. If you're stopping dreaming with him in the quiet place long enough, he's going to build dreams in you for your community that are just going to blow your mind and can't be done without his anointing. That's the beauty. It doesn't really rely on you and me. I, I, okay, it doesn't take much for me to eat. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. But when I get hungry, you look out. Watch out. I a buffet last night with Indian food. I lived in India. I love Indian food, right? I'll go back. I'll go back for seconds. What about in the spiritual? Are we building that kind of hunger? Are we building that kind of desire? Because passionate, hungry people hear the stories of God and they say, I didn't know God was doing that. I want him to do it here too. I want him to do it here too. Maybe the encouragement to you is your neck baptism service. There's not just one or two. Maybe there's a whole lot more people. Maybe the opportunity to reach out into a different part of your community is going to come. Come. I love this passage out of Second Chronicles where it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. I love it. Cool verse, hey? God's looking for someone to throw himself strong. You know what I like about that? I don't have to be strong. I just have to be hungry. I do that okay. In the spiritual, I need to be hungry enough, humble enough, motivated enough, pursuing Him, leaning into the testimony of what I hear Him doing. That's all I need to do because He's looking for people in whom He can show Himself strong. I don't have to be the strong one. I don't even have to be the, the, the most gifted, the most talented, the most, you know, Wealthy or whatever it might be, uh, he can throw all of that out. He just wants little old me to be hungry enough in whom he can show himself strong through. How good is that? You know what that does right now? That counts every single one of you in. That counts every single one of you in if you're hungry enough for him to come and use you. Are you passionately in love with Jesus today? Are you hungry for more of God? Are you continually tasting and seeing that the Lord is good? See, my prayer is that God will release a grace over you, over every person in the room, a divinely given ability to hunger for that which you've never hungered for before. There's something about hunger that pulls on heaven that becomes an environment of heaven right here amongst us. Hungry people pull on a greater reality and change the environment they live in. Not just for a person, but God has purpose to do something great for a group of people, his people, this people. The Lord's releasing, I believe, a grace for remaining hungry while remaining blessed, to be hungry while we're full and yet not completely satisfied. I'd love to be able to pray for you. And if that's been you this morning, just close your eyes, just, just kind of get rid of any of the distractions that might be around you. And because people's eyes are closed, no, one, no, one's, no one's looking, but Why don't you stand if you're hungry and you you know you're not yet satisfied, but you want more. You want more of the Lord. You want more of what he wants to do. You want more of his anointing. You want to move in power with his power to see his glory come, to see what only he can do. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and would you fall in power and authority on those who are hungry right now? Let them receive a fresh touch, Holy Spirit. Just open up hearts, open up lives. Come, Holy Spirit, increase. I'm asking, Lord, for a special grace, a special anointing to fall on your people this morning. I'm asking that it lasts. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you come, you turn this community, you turn this this city, Palmerston, upside down, Lord God. Howard Springs just become a spring known as a wellspring of life, Lord God. Life that's bubbling up and flowing out of your people, Lord Jesus. I'm asking they might be representatives, they might be pioneers in their spheres of influence in their community as they carry your presence with increased anointing, Lord God. Come, Holy Spirit, and fall in power upon them, creating them a hunger and a thirst, Lord God, like they've never had before. We ask it in your mighty and powerful name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you.